0: Yy And Billy Penn, it is Hit and Season. Hey there, podcast pals. I'm John Stolness from The Good Fight and Billy Penn. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stoleness once again on the Monday night edition, Sunday night, Monday night edition. Whenever we decide to record this thing at the beginning of the week, we're bringing it to you live with the video. Uh, it's not going to be live for you because uh, we will have already recorded it, but uh, you'll be able to see our faces as we do this edition of Hit and Season. So, Sorry about that, but uh, you chose to click on the YouTube link, so it's really you have yourself to blame for this. But we're going to talk some Phil's baseball here as we get ready for pitchers and catchers. They report this week, gang, with the NFL season out of the way. Baseball season is officially here, and the Phillies, pitchers and catchers, and a lot of the position players will be in Clearwater this week. The truck already made its way to Clearwater, so we are getting you ready here for the start of spring training, and joining me to do that, my good friends Justin Clue and Liz Rocher, of course, Justin Clue from Baseball Prospectus. Follow him on Twitter at Justin underscore Clue. Justin, what's up, buddy?
1: I'm just laughing at, um, well, I learned from a news article that was formatted like a slideshow, Uh, today that Brandon Marsh's uh, expectations that he's going to be ready for opening day following arthroscopic knee surgery uh, really really throws cold water on speculation that Cody Bellinger was coming to Philadelphia so you know
0: (laughs) oh that's what did it that's what threw the cold water on it
1: if you guys were dead set (laughs) on a Bellinger starting in the opening day lineup I I guess all those times we were told not to expect that should have led to us not expecting that. Darn mm. it. Well, some, <laughs> there's, there's a very clear line this year, this offseason, between like the local writers who are like, yeah, there's nothing going on. The national writers who are like, the Phillies are in on everyone. Everyone. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's a super secret thing they're doing, but you're not going to believe how active they are.
1: <laughs> it's so crazy. You can't that only, prove it. Only the That's sports right. top super agents know, and they're informing me. <laughs> That's right.
0: Uh, and Howard Eskin. Howard Eskin's the, the one local guy who's like, just, you're going to sign somebody. They're really, they're going to sign some. And, you know, we've talked about it. They might, they might, but if everything that has happened so far is exactly what, like, Gelb and Zalecki and Lauber and Alex have all been saying all off-season long. Like, it's going to be a lot of guys at the back of the 40-man roster who have options for flexibility. That's exactly what we're getting with this team right now. Um, Liz Rocher from Yahoo Sports also joining us. Liz, hi, how are you?
2: I'm good. Uh John, thank you for asking. Uh it occurs it occurred to me tonight for the first time that as we do this on video I am now no longer able to do things like my nails <laughs> while we do this. I have me too. same I have ADHD and commonly while we do the record the podcast, I need to be doing something with my hands. <laughs> And Mm. it's my nails or whatever it is, and now I I mean, unless you guys want to see me actually glue on my nails, do your nails while trying Uh, not to look stupid on camera and talking about the Phillies, that might be one too many things. Try to control my face.
1: (laughs) Some specific midwinter episodes where people probably would have preferred to watch you do your nails to us talking about nothing going on with the Phillies, but now you
0: can learn to play a keyboard with your feet. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) <laughs> this is uns- this yes, is going to be can. instructive, as well as entertaining. Which is which is you don't get that from any other podcast, no. folks. Listen, um, opening
2: day week, I'll be putting on some press ons uh, that are baseball themed. So get ready, everybody.
0: Me too. That'll be fun. <laughs> we'll we'll all enjoy that. Um, all right, let's get into some minor Phillies news to start off the podcast here. Uh, the Phillies signed another depth pitcher here this week. Uh, as we're recording on Monday, they signed Spencer Turnbull. Actually, they signed Spencer Turnbull trying to upstage the Super Bowl, as the Phillies often try to do. Uh, bringing abo- aboard this uh, former no-hitter thrower on a one-year deal for $2 million plus another $2 million in incentives. He was with the Tigers last year, uh, 31 years old. I was non-tendered by them earlier this off season. Uh, he was very good in the pandemic year and for the first part of twenty twenty one. In twenty starts during that stretch, eight and six with a three four six ERA. Again, I mentioned he threw a no hitter in May of twenty twenty one against the against the Mariners. But then he started undergoing arm surgery, uh, uh, arm trouble, elbow trouble. Uh, he had Tommy John surgery. And then last year, he made just seven starts for the Tigers. He was on the injured list because of neck discomfort and a cracked toenail. Uh, so, again, very different injuries for Spencer Turnbull and kind of a lost season for him last year. And so what we're looking at here is another guy like Kyle Allard. who's somebody that... They can move back and forth between AAA, somebody who can be that sixth starter. If somebody goes down, you call somebody up. Spencer Turnbull, Kyle Allard is going to be, could be one of those guys. Of course, they also have Nick Nelson down there. They signed Max Castillo, uh, to a, a, a contract very similar to this. So they're, 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 Liz, they've been gathering these guys like squirrels finding acorns leading up to wintertime, right you know and trying to squirrel <laughs> them away up in their little up in their little tree nest up in Clearwater uh so that if when when the bad times happen during the course of the 2023 season they can go run back to their nest and they can they can call up uh turnbull or or one of these other guys wow this
1: metaphor is the length you're getting <laughs> your money's worth out of it
0: I'm we, a little lost can, can you tell that we were on a little bit of a chip and dale kick with with the kids right now
2: <laughs> it's a little
0: so Liz, uh, what do you make of this? Was there question? Okay, no. What I just think I, want you to, I want you to talk about how impactful the, the Spencer Turnbull signing I mean, is going oh to be. I mean, oh my
2: God! Uh, <laughs> I had forgotten this had happened until you mentioned it about ninety seconds ago. Um, I it's good that they have depth that AAA. I feel like that might be something that's been missing over the past couple of years, mm-hmm. or am I wrong? I feel like they haven't had a lot of do at least a lot of starters, to call up from AAA. Like,
1: they've, and- they've been um, better at it, and it's the, the ability to call up a guy when they needed him has like sort of been better the past couple years, and it's been a discernible difference, I think. Well, Chris Sanchez last year point. was the yeah. prime example yeah. of that. Yeah, Kirkering, he's an mm-hmm. example. Um, Clemens, Cody Clemens, he, he filled a role when called upon.
2: Oh, God, yeah. Again, another guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I just I mean, but,
2: totally forgot about. <laughs> but
0: but but your but the point is that I mean these guys do play a role in a long 162 game season and again have, what we've seen is Dave Dombrowski going on saying we got to get guys with options like adding these guys that can you can send down to the minors, you can call them up and the fact that they don't have a spot in their starting rotation so you you can't get somebody who's maybe more established than Spencer Turnbull who who I mean who knows what Spencer Turnbull is going to give this team this year he at one point was Pitching very well for the Tigers, again, through a no-hitter. I mean, he has he has shown that he has good stuff in the past. He, when he was at his healthiest, throwing 95 miles an hour, uh, he was a guy who had a, a pretty nasty sinker. He's a ground ball guy, only gave up four home runs over 106 innings during that stretch I was talking about a minute ago. So uh, he has shown an ability to be able to pitch well at the big league level. It's just a matter of is he healthy, and he's going to start off the season in AAA, barring something unforeseen and something we don't want to see in Spring training, like somebody getting hurt. But it also relieves the pressure on, like, Mick Abel having to pitch above his skis in AAA, right? They can just kind of continue to let him progress and let him grow. You know, you don't—and if he pitches his way to the big leagues by owning AAA, then great. But you brought—you got all these different guys so that if Christopher Sanchez goes down, if Taiwan Walker hits the injured list, if, heaven forbid, one of the top three guys goes down for a little while— you have something there. And and with Kyle Allard, he's a young guy with decent stuff who's never had any success. And and in Turnbull, you have a guy who has had success and it's just kind of a question mark as to what he's got left.
1: I feel like I have to point out here that over the last three weeks, I have heard Colby Allard referred to as Cody, Corey, and Kyle. And <laughs> I think it's a testament to how little people remember that that signing happened and the awareness of the person who was signed when they were signed yeah um i think the turnbull signing is um you know like a lot of these good depth piece but with these the nature of it being that you don't really know if it's a success until months from now when he's had the chance to pitch and you know perform or step up if the opportunity arises but you're absolutely right about one thing and that's that his health uh, turnbull's health is really the linchpin of his entire career at this point every all the success that he's had has come in these like these brief windows where he's been able to like find a groove and pitch consistently like he mentioned the the no hitter which it's hilarious how the Phillies' new type is guy who can throw the game of his life followed by never pitching on that <laughs> level again um but yeah that's the kind of he's he, in college, when he was at Alabama, he took a no hitter into the seventh inning of a game that got called by uh, for weather. So like he's he's been able to pitch deep and like pitch well when he's been able to stay on the mound. But then he just runs into these shoulder issues and elbow issues. And like you have said, you know the toenail, of course, the shoulder oh, yeah. of the foot. Uh, <laughs> when, uh, this is the kind of stuff that
0: keeps him off. That's the what field they teach you in medical school, from... by the way. The shoulder <laughs> of the foot. That's exactly what it is. <laughs>
1: what prevents him from getting any kind of consistency. So the most important thing for him this year, going into training camp, is that he's got a clean bill of health, which we are led to believe that he does. So that that is the key for the Phillies cuz he's got an arsenal that he's he's always messed with. It's always been a little fluid. His fastball I think topped out at 96 when he was younger. I'm not sure where it is now, but he had a curveball in the mid 70s, a knuckle curve at one point, a slider that like cut at the end that actually looked more like a cutter. So like he has a lot of he has a lot of options. He has a lot of weapons and he seemed like a guy that was going to be a part of the tiger's future for a while. Um, I think just yeah. injuries really ate away at him. And that's the kind of guy when you're looking for guys who uh, are, are like filling a role that isn't, doesn't necessarily exist who are going to spend a lot of time in triple a who don't know, you know how big of a job or a job at all is waiting for them in a major league bullpen who need someone else to get hurt before they get the opportunity. They're really after This is what Dombrowski was talking about when he was like, we're actually not a premier destination for the biggest names on the market. So that has also played a role in this whole uh, image that the Phillies just are staying away from the bigger names. They've made some big attempts to get guys this year and have not gotten them. But I, I think that comes down to this. Like they have roles for guys like Spencer Turnbull. So I feel like. With this, with the Phillies trusting themselves a lot more and kind of looking for these more fringe guys a lot more this winter, they've earned a little bit of trust. Don't get me wrong. I'll come on this show. I'll I'll, I'll do the the video <laughs> episode and go absolutely nuts when none of these guys work out or they all like forget their gloves in, in, right. before they come to training camp. Like if, if this doesn't work out, you will hear about that. But for now. This team has a pretty decent track record in the past couple years. Dombrowski obviously has a long-term track record. They're targeting guys that aren't the sexiest names, but that's that's kind of the position they're in and, and the the approach they're taking. And I think Turnbull's as good an, an, good, as good an option as any.
0: Yeah, after the opening series, uh, at first week of the season, uh, when they get swept and lose uh, five out of six, and Turnbull's got I... a 70 ERA and Max Castillo is... Uh... Is in a fetal position behind the mound because after getting bludgeoned to death, you know it's. we'll we'll, we'll be talking about it, but
2: think. <laughs> Always looking for that silver lining, man, aren't you? you? Know,
0: I was just remind, reminding myself of last year uh, when we when we came into the season feeling real good about things, and uh, Texas and New York came and uh, and we
1: don't have to be embarrassed <laughs> about feeling good. I no, feel like I know that, we yeah. don't have to talk about that either. Who brought this well. up? Remember when we felt good and then
0: immediately after we felt bad? Felt really horrible for weeks on end. It was, yes, I do remember that actually. And I want everyone else to.
1: That'll teach us to ever feel good again. That's
0: right. We've got to get
2: out of the habit of of just routinely remembering the times we felt bad. Because those are are no longer the only times we have in recent memory. And that's tough to, honestly, that is tough to remember. It's tough to accept that. No, my most recent baseball reference is not unending pain and 99 losses or whatever it is. It's a different type of pain, one that has a lot Mm -hmm. more happiness and fun times baked into it. You know, we have to stop doing that. I think the
1: Daily News headline for signing signing Spencer Turnbull should have been Super Bowl with apostrophe B-U-L-L.
0: Yeah. that would have been both I a just, timely tie in to the big game which i see where you're where you're going with this and a very funny play on words 100% golf clap agree
1: thank you i just <clears> I forgot to say that before and i wanted to make sure it was on the record <clears throat> Thank
2: you. It's on the record now.
0: <laughs> Video and audio. It's on the record, pal. So um, so they've made a flurry of these moves the last couple of days. They got, like I mentioned, Max Castillo. They claimed him on waivers from the Red Sox. They designated Simone Muziotti uh, from the 40-man roster in order to do that. Uh, he had a four-four-three ERA in seven appearances for the Royals last year. Uh, the Phillies got Michael Rucker, a relief pitcher from the Cubs. Um, and basically they're replacing him with uh, Andrew Bellotti with, uh, with Michael Rucker on the roster. And then uh, they got Diego Castillo. They claimed him off waivers uh, from the Yankees. He's been on a few different rosters already here in, in 2024 um, played most of the season last year in AAA. Has good speed, not much power, good on base percentage, uh, so plays all over the place. So there's a few of these different guys, and we know, you know, guys like Jeff Hoffman were signed to a deal like this last off season. I mean, this is there is a there is a possibility that one of these guys, two of these guys, who knows. Could be impactful. Could actually make a difference here on on the 2024 Phillies. And really, frankly, if you're going to be a good team, you need guys like this to step up and to play some kind of a role here in 2024. So let's. So of these different guys that we've been talking about over the last over the last week or so since they signed them, who do we think is going to be more impactful, Liz? Which of these guys do you think? Do you think? Just you know, we're taking a total shot in the dark here. But which of these guys do you think will will, will help this team the most in, in 2024?
2: Hmm. Um. I'll say, I don't know. I'll just say Spencer Turnbull. He threw, he, he's thrown a no hitter. It seems he's also the last guy we talked about. I remember him really well. Um, you can just rewind the podcast <laughs> to listen to more of what's been said about him. He's pretty great. I'm on, I, I actually really liked this signing. I, I thought it was, I feel like there's a lot of upside to be had and it's one Mm -hmm. of those signings that I now realize the Phillies can make and actually make good on. They can get out of him what they want instead of just being like, well, let's cross our fingers.
0: Yeah, Justin. I I mean, I, that's kind of where I'm leading to. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by a guy like Kyle Allard simply because he's young, but you can be young and bad. Uh, and so far, that's it's been Colby, what Colby, man.
1: I just said it was Colby. <laughs> what you did I say? Who, what you called am... him Kyle again.
0: I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize you were talking about me the first time. You know... Yeah. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I don't know why I've got Kyle Allard in my head. Is there another Kyle Allard playing in the major leagues that I'm, like, totally... Now I've got to Google Kyle Allard and see if there's somebody that I'm... If <laughs> Colby <laughs> I'm Allard... I'm sorry. They,
1: it's I think a base, he's going to be great. Like, base, maybe my, his brother might be named Kyle because... Roger Clemens no wait, I'm now thinking of Cody Clemens.
2: Never mind. Yeah, you are thinking say. of Cody Clemens because <laughs> the when I typed in Kyle Allard into the Google, Google search box. None and- of us can talk. Why can no. none of us talk? <laughs> we're no. so intimidated
0: by the camera. We're so intimidated by the camera.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh out of the Google search box the first was uh Kyle Allard obituary Jacksonville, Florida. So I don't ah. believe we're thinking of as soon as you said the same, I'm like, there's it, maybe there's a Kyle Allard somewhere in, in the NFL because like, that's a name I feel like I've heard. But it's yeah.
0: not. It's not. No, Definitely it's totally it's not. a name I've created out of the figment of my imagination. I Colby Allard. Colby I can't Allard. wait for
1: Colby Allard to throw the last out of the playoff clinching <laughs> game this year. And for us to go back and play the clip of us not just not being able to get his name. Or just a, a Don't say cl- us,
0: a, me. J- just point montage, the finger here.
1: A montage of all the different... First names I've heard people give him over the past two weeks, and he's going to save the season. You just mark my words. Mark this time code down because I'm going to say him, so that we all don't say Spencer Turnbull, uh, who I also think is perfectly capable of, of giving the Phillies the depth that he was signed for. Um, but Allard is—he's—he's uh, he's another interesting case. Has some upside. When they signed him, I think I, I said that he was the kind of guy that you bring into these roles because he has this documented strength as a control pitcher that he's been able to use like every level he's been promoted to. He's always been very young. Uh, so he's, he's, he's able to like catch on fast at each new level. Problem was making that transition from AAA to the major leagues. Uh, but. I feel like the Phillies are getting him with the gift of more time having passed. Like he might be, he's, he's never been more experienced pitching in the majors than he is today. I guess Mm -hmm. you could put it Uh, even with that experience being as abbreviated as it is. uh, He's still a guy who uh, has a couple, has like some pitches that can serve as out pitches. He does not throw hard, uh, but he is able to trick hitters and keep them off balance. And you know, this is a guy who was once a top, Braves prospect, so there's obviously a talent base in there to take advantage of, and I'm just I want to start looking at these guys as filling the role that they're brought in to fill because you know we keep the perspective keeps being like, well, he's not the guy I've heard of, so clearly this isn't going to work. And right. yeah, you know that 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 there's plenty of guys you haven't heard of who are you're never going to hear of because they just aren't that good. But uh this being a Phillies podcast and these being Phillies players i do think these are these are the kind of moves that like you're saying john can really wind up making or breaking your season at the end of the day like you, you have these guys you bring up like orion kirkering like jeff hoffman who who step up in ways you weren't really expecting and become this integral part of your your bullpen and you know i think allard is is he's an interesting case i want to see I kind of want to see him pitch because he's also a different kind of pitcher than the Phillies have have t- typically gone after the past couple of years they like these hard throwing veterans uh and and these guys that they've been picking up are like oh, they're a little more about uh floating the ball in there and making it go wherever they want rather than, yeah. than throwing it straight through the catcher's torso so i'm uh i'm i'm I'll be curious to see how they are faring at triple a. And if it does wind up being the kind of depth the Phillies want them to be. But, you know, as far as I can see, they're getting this handful of guys that all can fill that role.
0: Well, mark down a vote for Kyle Allard there. Uh, Kyle, we are in your corner here on, on hit the season. I'm wishing Kyle, nothing but the best here in 2024. I got your uh, back Colby. Don't worry. I got, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with, um, I'm just going to make an argument for, for Rucker. And I know he's, He's older than a lot of the guys we're talking about, but I think he's he has, well, I know he has uh, had the most major league experience last year, uh, was on a major league roster for most of the season. Uh, if you're talking about guys who can make an impact, bullpen guys probably have a greater chance of doing that because there's so much volatility in the bullpen. Like, Jeff, nobody thought Jeff Hoffman was going to be a, a, a savior, really, in the playoffs and towards the end of the season last year the way he was. And I don't they, and I don't know that Rucker has another few miles an hour on his fastball that they seem to discover with Jeff Hoffman. So there may not be that kind of transformation where they come into camp and Michael Rucker's throwing the ball and everybody all of a sudden is going, ooh, because he's never been that kind of pitcher before. But he's been a, a relief pitcher who has an ERA in the upper threes, lower fours. He typically stays healthy. He, he will come in and he will help in some moments this year that could be important. And so I think there's more of a chance that he has a, a role in the bullpen than maybe some of those other guys do making spot starts here and there. So, I, I mean, I don't, th- Kyle, I mean, but Ruck, Rucker, I, well, I'm going with Kyle with everybody now. Michael Rucker is certainly not a superstar, but, and he's certainly not, he's, he's like the very definition of league average in terms of strikeouts, walks and ground ball rate and all that kind of stuff. But, Sometimes a league average guy in your bullpen is better than somebody who's lighting everything on fire as soon as he gets in the game. And and so it's not a ringing endorsement of Michael Rucker, but you know,
1: let me ask you, let me ask you guys this. So these kinds of signings that we're talking about, um, that get little blips on MLB trade rumors or a tweet from a beat writer and then kind of get forgotten. Um, So let's, let's say in regulation you got to get like 4,300 outs in a season. How many outs does one of these guys have to get for you on the mound Mm. for you to consider him a truly impactful contributor?
0: That's a good question. So let's say, um, let's say if it's one of these starters, okay, that he has to come in and maybe fill in for a couple of weeks. Um, Let's say, let's say you need one of those guys for like three weeks or something like that. So you figure, Two starts a week, maybe maybe three in some of those weeks. So you're looking at maybe seven starts from somebody like uh, from Allard or from uh, 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 Turnbull. So the, how many outs is that? I mean you're you're winning five you're winning five innings from those guys maybe in those in those seven starts. So I'd say like what f- thirty five to forty five innings. I think is kind of what you're you're hoping that each one of those guys can give you. I don't think you want either of those guys or any of those guys to give you any more than that because if that happens, then something has gone very wrong. And they're also uh, overexposed
1: at that point too because being the kind of pitcher they are, they're probably not – finely tuned for major league to face major league hitting all the time. And you know at first that's like an advantage when guys aren't familiar with your repertoire, but then as they catch on, you know, second, third time through the order, they're going to be able to smash you a little harder. So yeah, I think that's probably the window. Honestly, you don't want to go too much more or, or less. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. But I think, I think that's a good question. And when you put it that way, it makes you realize, you know, we're not asking these guys to help get out and push, you know what I mean? Right. Like they just, just, just hold the wheel. Help, help us pack the van. <laughs> <laughs> help us pack the van, or sit in the front seat and hold the wheel while everybody yeah. else pushes and make sure we don't drive into a tree. You know, <laughs> you can pick the music. <laughs> that's right, the, Colby. Colby Allard, you're the DJ. That's that's how this is. That's <laughs> how this is going to go so you on this trip.
2: Gas. That's your job. Gas that's and right. snacks. That's right. um
0: So let me ask you guys this. So. I don't know that there's any more moves that are coming for the Phillies this offseason. Like we've said at the beginning of the show, the, the beat writers were telegraphing these kinds of moves for the last few weeks and essentially telling us Dombrowski's going to make a few more moves, but it's going to be, they're going to be depth signings for, for the starting rotation and for relief pitcher and maybe a, a bench guy here and there. And that's exactly what we've seen. So I think I'm operating under the assumption that the heavy lifting is done. They're not really going to get Jordan Montgomery, they're not going to go out and sign. Tommy Pham or or some other outfielder like that, you know the Brandon Marsh news. It doesn't seem like it's moving them to do something else. I still think they need to add a depth piece. Uh, I'm starting to grow more enamored with the idea of even Michael A. Taylor, um, a, a, a center field backup in case Rojas doesn't work out. You know he's he was worth two wins above replacement last year. He had not he had a 914 OPS against lefties last year. Michael A. Taylor did, which which. Shocked me. He had twenty-one what? home runs last that season. That
2: can't be true. <laughs> it totally. Like a, he's,
1: like, he's like a low guy. He's one of those tall, thin yeah. guys who can yeah. just knock the crap. Yeah, out he's one of one the ball those for little some
0: reading reason. off lefties. Yeah.
2: Nationals. Michael that Taylor. Yeah. yeah,
0: the Nationals. Michael a. Taylor. All yeah. right.
2: Well, I mean, you could do worse. But when you say like, if Rojas doesn't work out, what do you mean by not work out? Like.
0: Yeah, Is like, there a point well, where you think you, the Phillies would put yeah, bait hit.
2: on him? Like, would they stop? Would they pull out? Because I'm, I'm trying to think of how bad he'd have to be for them to be like, nope, no more.
1: They need him to be good enough to be a nine-hole hitter. That's not a very high bar. Exactly. And, yeah. and every every report has come out that he has been working all, like, all winter long. He knew that from the word go, when they were like, he's going to come into camp, he won't automatically have a job, we're going to wait and see how he's improved, and he knew what that meant, and they told him, you know, pick up a bat and don't put it down. And he seems like he has put in the time, and every report from Dombrowski is that it's going, it's going fine. So yeah. I think they really like him, and I think they are expecting to be penciling him into the lineup. I don't know if I'm that worried about a backup center fielder as directly as you're describing. I'm mm-hmm. more just like a general depth option is, I think, now a good idea. And Liz and I kind of talked about this, that the whole yeah. bench bat outfield guy – was like number three free uh, priority over the winter as far as roster acquisitions go. And then it kind of drifted away. And now this surprise Brandon Marsh had knee surgery, yeah. like a doctor <laughs> jumped out of a bush and gave Marcus yeah. topic knee surgery. Uh, that has, I think maybe made, uh, made it a little more urgent uh, to, to get one of those guys in there who can, who can fill that role. But I don't think it necessarily has to be like a guy whose job is going to be filling in for Rojas when he doesn't get yeah. done.
0: Yeah, then I was just looking around. There are a lot of guys. There are a lot of guys who are still out there and still available um, on the free agent market. So there's even if they do decide they want to get one, there's still time. While some of these guys find jobs elsewhere. So how would you guys grade the off season? You know, we're starting spring training is going to start here in a couple of days. The off season is essentially ending here. Uh, I saw the Good Fight put out a, a poll on this, and yeah, I think it went about where I thought it was going to go. Um, Justin. As far as a grade for this offseason, how would you grade the Phillies offseason? So
1: I think I'm going to go with a – and this is the not fair part because when you sign big name free agents, you have a general idea of what they're going to do. And this, the guys that they have signed are kind of just question marks that hopefully work out. Um. And if we had known that was going to be the plan going in, not that they should have told us, but I don't know, it might have kept a few hysterics from going off this this off season if the Phillies had been like, "We're not really gonna, you know, don't expect to see us throwing our hat in. We'll do what we always do, but like, you know, don't 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 get excited. There's no trade Turner signing this year." Anyway, all this blithering to say, I am kind of like between a B and a B minus, and I want to just throw the B minus on there because then it feels like there's. That minus represents my little frustration in a totally unthrilling (laughs) offseason. But at the same time, this is a team that's gone to the NLCS twice in a row. And I know everybody can project all of their personal fears and frustrations onto a baseball team very easily. We do it all the time. I think I'm just seeing a lot of that this winter. Well, that was it. And they didn't improve. And now they're terrible. And eh, oh, well, Um, it's over. I don't, I don't necessarily see it that way. I think this is going to be a good team that should should be expecting to make the playoffs, should be expected to make the playoffs, and added where they felt like they had to but didn't go over the top. So the minus is representing my personal frustrations. I'm giving them a B because, you know, it's tough not to feel like they didn't lag behind everybody else, but they didn't. They kind of just kept pace in a slow market.
0: Liz, green. I mean, the they did what season. they
2: needed they did what they needed to do you know which is and it's not flashy or exciting and i think i was i've been vacillating between a b and a b minus because that it just feels like the right place for them to be and like you i would put the minus on there just for not living up to well i mean i i guess it would just be not living up to everyone else's expectations because my expectations were pretty low it was sign Aaron nola don't do anything stupid uh the end like they re-up jake cave and that's fine uh that could qualify as something stupid it's not Cons- that's not fine
0: that's not fine no considering no.
2: everyone hates it but like the phillies he's just like rojas he's another guy that they just love and they're gonna be dudes that they love and can't get enough of and i think you know it, it could be worse
1: I think you mentioned Nola. They will They will never get credit for re-signing Ola. No, they won't, and they for should. The, for the exactly. simple that's reason that he was here already. Like, yeah. that's right. no one. I forgot about that. I really kind of forgot to, to factor that in. Yeah. I was waiting
2: honest. for you to mention it, and I'm just <laughs> like, I'm giving the B because you can't go, like, that was yeah. their main signing, and it, they had to have him. They had to have him. Because yeah. if they didn't, Blake yeah. Snell would already be a Philly.
0: Yeah, w- we would have been, I think, more excited... If they signed Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery, maybe, then not then Aaron Ola. Because it would have felt like a change, and people wanted to see something different happen because they didn't like how the season ended, and mm-hmm. Aaron Ola's last start in the exactly. playoffs was not a good one. Forgetting all of the great starts he had before that in the previous two rounds and in the playoffs the year before. He's been kind of up and down in, in the playoffs. He's been great and then had a couple of starts. You know who else has been like that? Just about every other starting pitcher in in playoff history. I mean, like a Justin Verlander. Look at you know Max, Max Scherzer, Scherzer has had some games. Clayton Kershaw for crying out loud. Um, just even last year, Jordan Montgomery was phenomenal in some of the games, and then he had against the I think in the ALCS he was kind of terrible, or in the World Series it was he had one game in the World Series where he was not very good. So you know they have it. It's there's very few guys who are great every. Not everybody's a Madison Bumgarner in the playoffs, and so that's just. You know, or Zach Wheeler. <laughs> Zach Wheeler's pretty great <laughs> in, in every single start. Aaronola's been a very good playoff pitcher, and you're right. I think it would have felt like more of an off season if it had been somebody other than Aranola who had gotten re signed, which kinda leads me to my question. I, I agree with you guys. I think a B B minus is about where, where I have them as well. What would have been an A? What would have been an A off season? What what could they have done in order for this to be an A
1: Otani. off season? A definitely.
2: Well, and I was actually just yeah. going to say, like, the off season is over, but it's it's still... It's not, though. It's not, yeah. because everyone's like, why isn't the Zach Wheeler extension happening? Oh, no. Um, now that pitchers and catchers are reporting, and Zach Wheeler will be at camp with the Phillies and Dave Dombrowski instead of at his own home in the off season. <laughs> Now that they're in this occupying the same area, there's a better chance and that one could get done. And I don't know if that would it's another NOLA situation where you've I have no idea how that would change people's perception of how this offseason has gone, but I mean I I feel like it's more likely than not considering how slow the offseason has been mm-hmm. that they'll actually get a deal done with him before the end of spring training.
0: Well, and Gelb's, Gelb has reported that it had to wait until the spring in order to not affect the 2024 luxury tax. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Everyone's so, like,
2: where is I'd it rather, now?
1: I'd rather freak out about it, honestly. I'm just – I'm more comfortable <laughs> freaking out. It's more fun out. that way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I honestly, just real quick, I do also think that plays into people's hysterics this winter is that it's just very – it's easier to create sports content when you are hysterical. So people just kind of get themselves to that state in order to create – things and write blogs and stuff well, really all investing. content
0: is yeah is either yeah. hate or fear driven so, so <laughs> you know.
1: i think you see that a lot oh but i will say to answer your question john <laughs> i think if they had thrown all that like when when dombrowski was like we threw a lot of money more than people think we did at yamamoto if they had convinced him that philadelphia yeah. was a cool place to be i'd give him an a just for that like yeah. getting nola and Yam- yamamoto would have been a huge huge uh step forward i think so yeah that would have gotten him to an a and i think and i think that's probably the closest thing to a realistic scenario like that we have documented from the phillies evidence of it actually happening Otani was like obviously that no, happened happen. um, yeah um bellinger even like that's not that what's it say really gonna... is there
0: anything that could still happen because <laughs> there are guys out there I that's, to well, Jordan to Montgomery, I'd that's what a, i was thinking that's what i was yeah. thinking
1: I'd bump them up to an A mm-hmm. uh, yeah. if, if they got Montgomery. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because I think that gives them a better starting rotation than anybody else in the National League, oh, including yeah. in- including the Dodgers. Yes, and then you now now you've got a fighting chance over 162. You know yeah. you you can it doesn't make you the, on par with the Braves, but it 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 gives you you know it certainly gives you a big boost, and it would be it would be an off it would be one of those Dave Dombrowski coups as you're getting close to spring as you're getting into spring training that I, I would definitely bump the team up to an A if they landed Jordan Montgomery.
1: Do you think seeing what they you know the low key approach they took to the offseason, Do you think this is evidence or pretty much the Phillies directly telling us that they don't plan on contending for the division and that they're pretty much assuming they're going to get a wild card spot.
2: That's such a tough question. What
1: are you doing? Um because I'm because I don't know what I think about that question either. Yeah, it just popped I mean, into my head like hmm.
2: I don't <laughs> uh, I don't think it's I don't think it means that they've given up. I don't think they're settling. If they mm-hmm. Thought that they could seriously, like, actually improve their chances of competing at the top, and get it. And it depends on how hard they think that first round buy, yeah, how important they think it is. Like, I actually would love to hear Dombrowski talk about his strategy on that a little bit because it is a legitimate question, and I would love for it to not be so um verboten to talk about. Like, because it is just a fact that the Braves have an incredible line up and they will probably rule the NL East. But I think people would jump down his throat if he said, "Yeah, we're we're working towards the wild card right now." And I don't know if they'd be totally wrong, but that's just the reality yeah. of it. And hearing him talk about it doesn't mean that he's not trying to win. He's trying to win in the given the scenario that he's in and the parameters he's been given.
0: I I think he would say, "Our goal is to make the playoffs." And I I think that's what would be the overarching goal is because it's a long season, a lot of different things can happen, and I would say that they probably believe that they can catch the Braves in the National League East, and the rationale for that would probably be the fact that last year the Phillies, you, you can expect Trey Turner not to be terrible for the first four months, the hope that Kyle Schwarber also once again doesn't take the first two months of the season off. You had the World Baseball Classic last year, which messed up, Schwarber and Turner and Real Muto getting a start to the getting started on the season. Um and then I so and then you didn't have Bryce Harper for the first month, and then for the next month after that, he wasn't himself. You have a healthy Bryce Harper hitting the ground running. Kyle Schwarber won't be in left field. He's gonna be in a spot where he needs to be DH, so that should help you both defensively and it should help keep him healthy and hopefully help him get off to a better start. And the thing that I'm I've been saying all offseason, and again, I don't think it means that the Phillies are on par with the Braves. The Braves, I think, still have a much better roster, a better roster, not a much better roster, a better roster than the Phillies. But there is going to be some regression to the mean with that Braves offense. They are not, as a team, going to slug over 500 next year. Matt Olsen is a home run hitter, but hes I just don't see him hitting over 50 again. Orlando Arcia's offensive season last year came out of nowhere. He was never that kind of an offensive performer. Like Plus, you he, have Acuna he went
1: insane in Philadelphia, and I mean the fans made his brain shatter right. into a million pieces. Made his pieces, brain shatter so. into a million pieces, and that's yeah.
0: still well. It's just a was wonderful. No. But I he's mean, a lost you, cause. He's, <laughs> that's right, he's done. And yet Sean Murphy was red hot in the first half of the season, and then he cooled off a, after that. So you you have some of these. Look, Acuna's going to be great and he may repeat his season from a, from a year ago because he is that good. And Olsen's going to hit 40 home runs. That that's that's for sure. Albies. You know, uh, but Ozzy Albies is a good is a good player too, but he may not have quite the offensive season he had a, a year ago. Eddie Rosario's not on the team at this point. He's still a free agent who's who's sitting out there. So they're missing that guy. And really the only upgrade they made, they they got a couple additions for the bullpen and Chris Sale. Chris Sale. I was
1: going to say Chris. their big addition was Chris Sale, and their, the 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 whole idea behind that deal was where where we think he can reach this level again, and if he can, that's really going to help us out in a in a playoff series. There's a there's a a bunch of ifs and coulds yeah. and maybe's involved in that. Like that wasn't like we're signing Chris Sale and he's the Chris Sale from 2018. Like nope, right. no that was a in a lot of ways that was a depth option. It was just one everybody had heard of. So. You kind of talked me into it there with a couple of those reminders that the Phillies did improve this offseason. It wasn't because they signed all of the good players available or even like one new megastar like last year. It's because they're moving pieces around to have a more ideal kind of approach and hopefully Mm -hmm. aren't going to have the same health and or luck issues that they had last year. Because you're right. That's the kind of stuff that doesn't happen every year. So, yeah, that actually at the end of the day I don't think they're too far behind them but yeah you can't you can't put them up there with the Dodgers and Braves just yet but what? the Phillies have proven they can beat the Braves it's just the Braves win more games in a 162 game schedule but then the right. Phillies just handle the Braves so if you can just do that instead <laughs> why tire why tire yourself out winning 110 <laughs> games
2: <laughs> exactly the right, i mean the, the MLB experience is a marathon to get to a sprint that's what it is you have to get to the top or as close as you can to the top, over 162, to get the chance to run as fast as you can for the finish line Mm -hmm. over the course of four weeks. And, like, last one standing at the end wins. And the more I've watched over the last few years, especially since the Phillies have been involved, it really is that. It's just how many rounds you have left, you know, to be effective. And, you know, if... If the Dodgers win the World Series, it will be because they continue to acquire players solely to so they have extra, you know, extra reinforcements who are literally like some of the best players on the planet just sort of sitting there waiting to be called upon for work.
0: Right, it's like because it's a privilege to go play for the Dodgers. You're just like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be the fifth outfielder, and I'm a ten time All Star. Sure thing, you bet. Sure, I'll
1: you pop know? up in twenty games and get a World Series ring. Why not? Right, sure. yeah. right, yeah. Exactly. So I will say, even despite saying all of this, that if the Phillies, you know, went out and signed Jordan Montgomery tomorrow, I would also support that okay. <laughs> because yes, and that that I feel like is all, uh, with this argument I've presented. Like, do you think they're just kind of saying without saying that they're going for a wild card spot? I guess the signing of somebody like Jordan Montgomery, partially because he's the only guy left available, is that kind of? Would that be the difference between the two of saying like, "Yeah, no, we're 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 good with what we have"? All the factors that you just said, John. We think we can make the playoffs and approach it to that broad. But if they went out and signed, if they went over the top, would you consider Jordan Jordan Montgomery signing him over the top? <laughs> like they have the pitching they need right now. I was right
2: going to ask, but, like, is this? Do you yeah. really think that the Jordan Montgomery signing? Is the difference because it seems like well,
1: that's what I'm asking, you know? Like well, I like,
2: and I totally eh. get the question, but it's it, it feels a little when you just put it like that. It's like, is Jordan Montgomery the difference well, between he, the Phillies he, wanting to win they, the division and not?
1: If they signed him, I guess I can just see in my head a couple of like writers, maybe national writers who aren't plugged in, but saying like. The Phillies are really, like, they're going for it. They're going all in on winning the NL East because they signed Jordan Montgomery when they didn't have to. You know, it's not that it's Jordan Montgomery. It's that it's the guy who has this talent level, who has the reputation he has now because of what he did in the postseason. And they're bringing him in along with Aaron Nola, along with Zach Wheeler, along with the depth they already have.
0: Mm -hmm. And and I'll say this about Jordan Montgomery. He's been very good for the last three years. It wasn't just last year. Like, he, he has been... A, three, a mid threes ERA, middle solid middle of the rotation left-handed starter for the last three seasons, very consistent. So you're getting a true middle of the rotation starter. You're probably getting a, you're getting a guy who's better than Ranger Suarez at this point, you know, in his career. So you probably, you know, now you've got Ranger Suarez as like your your number 4 and you're not worrying about Taiwan Walker. I mean, you there were some stretches of the season here when there when you had Tywan Walker and a number 5 starter and and it was kind of bleak in a lot of those different in a lot of those different moments. I don't know how the rotation would shake out if you added Jordan Montgomery at this point. But I think at this – I think you're right. The national writers would say, yes, Dave's going all in. And I think Dave Dombrowski would look at it as like, this guy's just sitting there. He's he's costing way less than we thought he would. The commitment to us is 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 just too good to pass up. You don't have to give up draft picks because he was not given a qualifying offer during the last offseason. So, so you don't have that attached to it. Like it was just – it was too good a deal to pass up. I don't think in Dave Dombrowski's mind – it's a difference in approach, but I do think the perception from the outside would would make it that, would approach it that way. Yeah, I think that's, that, that's fair.
2: <laughs> I was considering, are the national writers really just going to follow the bright, shiny keys? Like, are they indeed that devoid of, of original ideas? And I realize the answer is yes. Yeah, <laughs> like I yeah. really yeah. Did yes, wanna, I, I they're, didn't want to. I didn't want to assume that they'd be like, "They're signing Jordan Montgomery. This is it. They're in. They're at the top, baby. They're going for it." And I'm just like, "Are they going to chase those keys?" Yes, they will because it's like, February. It's um, you know, it's February 13th, and Jordan Montgomery is still sitting out there.
1: They're John copied. Heyman copy pasted. Uh, yes! are you about to say this? Okay, copy pasted uh, an agent's memo into yes. a tweet with medical evaluations available upon request at the end. <laughs> Yeah, they'll follow the keys no matter what corner of the room you throw them.
0: <laughs> it's exactly what I was going to say. It's exactly what I was going to say. God, All right, uh, Liz. What an embarrassing Let's get on to our is. final. Yeah, he didn't win the sports podcast award, and that, that's, that's <laughs> one of the reasons why. Um, so uh, to finish up the podcast here, Liz, uh, Liz has a, a – is it a Where Are They Now book? Liz, yes. explain what we're going to be doing here for the last segment of the show.
2: I'll take it from here. Um, I just sent you to a screenshot of the of the the dudes that we have the the Phillies dudes that we have to select from today. This is a book that I found on archive.org called Phillies Where Have You Gone by Franz Zimnich Zim Zim Zimnich Z-I-N-N-I-U-C-H. Um published around two thousand four. I have to dig up the acknowledgements at some point To read those because it's very interesting Um, So we've got We've got guys who have been around Who uh, spent one year at the Phillies Two years, Larry Christensen Eleven years Kurt Mm -hmm. Simmons, thirteen Wayne Twitchell Uh, So I I have a little log line for each of them If you have seen them We've got uh, Would you like me to read them out And you guys can choose Or would you choose
1: them well, I think we can just go off this list. I'm trying to think. Kurt Simmons I think I just wrote about I wrote a feature on him for baseball Perspectives. He was the last of the Wiz kids before he yep. passed away this this year. Um and isn't Frank Frank Thomas just recently died too, but isn't he the one that like tried to hit Dick Allen with a bat or got oh, hit like it was well, him and uh, Dick this- Allen got into the fight at the batting cage?
2: uh they certainly Uh-oh. i'm sharing i'm <laughs> sharing the list here this. for
0: everybody in case for people watching on video Ooh, there you go yeah,
1: yeah. A gene, a gene garber has um his face in a, a, a oval picture frame in the relief room in hatboro pennsylvania that's, right. <laughs> that one, that's that's what i remember about him he's prominently
0: yeah. featured prominently featured in the relief room of course he would be so uh, so how, so what are we doing here liz are we picking one of these guys or uh, pick
2: a, you know pick one and we'll see uh where we land after i read one to you let's go how, up i go
0: ahead, Justin. i
1: vote i vote garber he's from okay. he's, he's from my hometown i'll say let's do gene, gene garber, garber.
2: <laughs> i picked what i thought was the most interesting fact about these guys and the one for gene garber is he's from lancaster
0: <laughs> it's about the most exciting well, things that happened in lancaster
2: <laughs> there are some good ones in there all right let me dig up. please
1: come by lancaster these days it's a different city all right you just you weave out around the horse and buggies that's um, right you got to be a little patient with them but
0: i i gotta say liz the one that drew my attention was rick bossetti mm-hmm. did he pee in the outfield
2: <laughs> We can uh, get I'm to him. curious yeah we'll, we'll get to him if we want to do uh, gene garber first here
0: let's do gene garber first all let's right Gene garber
2: So we got Gene Garber. We've got some stats on him. He pitched, uh, he was a pitcher for the Phillies, Royals, Braves, and Pirates. Born in 1947 in Lancaster, PA. 19 year major league career, five years with the Phillies. He made his debut in 1969. Gene Garber was a hardworking, wheeling right-hander with a corkscrew motion that he learned from Louis Tion in AAA that confused and confounded many a major league hitter. Although he pitched effectively for nearly two decades in the major leagues, he really came into his own with his hometown team, the Phillies, in 1974 after some chances with the Pirates and Royals. I grew up a Philly fan, so it was a dream come true for me to pitch for the team, he said. My second game in the majors with the Pirates, I pitched in old Connie Mack Stadium. It was a thrill for me to play there, and then later to play for the team and meet guys like Richie Ashburn and Robin Roberts. For the most part, Philadelphia treated me very well. Even when I came into town as a member of the Braves, the fans always acknowledged me, as if to thank me for the effort I gave that organization. In his five seasons in philadelphia gino won 33 games out of the bullpen and saved 51 more but if there's one game that will forever be etched in his memory as well as the fans it was game, game four it was uh, it says here game three of the nlcs against the dodgers on october 7th three. 1977 yeah, black
0: friday that was game three yeah
2: garber came into the game to hold a lead in the seventh inning and retired the first eight batters he faced and had two outs and two strikes in the ninth when Vic. Uh, Davalillo thank you. laid down a perfect bunt for a hit unlike most of the regular season Phillies manager Danny Ozark left Greg Luzinski in the game in left field rather than inserting slick fielding Jerry Martin pinch hitter Manny Mota hit a fly ball that bounced off of Luzinski's glove in the wall and the Dodgers eventually won the game breaking the collective hearts of the Delaware Valley that was one of the strangest games I've ever been in said Garber it was the most memorable game I've ever been in it was the most fun I've ever had pitching and then the most nightmarish. I got eight hitters out in a row in the seventh, eighth, and ninth. And then with two strikes, Davalillo laid down a perfect bunt for a hit. People asked me about Moda's hit, but when he hit I knew, hit it, I knew the game was over. The ball kept drifting and Bull went with it and it hit his glove and he didn't catch it. That was the only time I ever saw him not catch a ball that hit his glove. Mm. Garber later moved on to the Atlanta Braves, where he was an outstanding pitcher for a decade. He still holds the Atlanta record, or at least as of 2004, uh, for a uh, career saves with 141, and his 557 games rank him third in team history after Warren, Warren Spahn and Phil Negro. Even though it's been a quarter of a century, Garber will forever be remembered as the pitcher who ended Pete Rose's 44-game hitting streak on August 1, 1978. Mm. Always the competitor, Gino pitched Rose tough, striking him out on a changeup to end the game and the streak. Immediately after the game, Rose complained that Garber pitched him like it was the seventh game of the World Series. <laughs> he is correct, Grinch, because as that as is, always, is how yeah. Gene Pete Garber Rose pitched complained. everyone.
1: Yeah. How dare this guy try to get
0: me out? Charlie <laughs> Hustle complaining about someone hustling too much on the mound. It's
2: how tough dare? Tough
0: Pete. Tough scene,
2: how He dare played he, that game like he wanted to win it. How dare he take his job seriously?
1: <laughs> Only I can do things in baseball. Me. Pete Rose, the protagonist of baseball.
2: <laughs> when the Reds came to town, I hoped for an opportunity to stop him, Garber said. I'd be less than professional if I didn't want to end the streak. Phil Necro once told me to make every pitch like it was the last pitch I was ever going to make. Wow. Uh, that really stuck with me, and that's how I pitched Rose. I think any criticism he might have had about my pitching him the way I did uh, may have had something to do with the fact that it was also the final out of the game and he didn't have much time to compose himself before the post-game interview began. <laughs> that's a,
1: that's, that is a lot of grace That is to a charitable a reading yeah. of
2: the situation. Thank yeah. you, Gene. Uh, yeah. Robert saved 218 games during his career using a variety of off-speed pitches. He saved 30 games for the 82 Braves, but also saved more than 10 games 11 times in his career. Following his baseball career, Garber returned home to Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, and became a full-time farmer. He and his brothers split their partnerships so that a new generation of Garbers could get involved in the family business. Now Gene and his two grown sons, Greg and Mike, own and operate 400 acres. I think I'd like to be remembered for my longevity and for the effort I gave, he said. I wasn't a star, but when I was retired, there were only four active pitchers who had more games than me. I really felt that was a pretty good achievement for a small guy who didn't throw hard. I pitched every hitter like it was the bottom of the ninth inning in the seventh game of the World Series.
0: Pretty cool, dude. And I didn't know he was from Elizabethtown. You know, that's where I went to college. Elizabethtown College. That's where I went to school. I didn't realize that Gino was uh, from uh, from E-Town. Interesting.
1: Interesting. I dated a girl from E-Town for a little bit. So look at that. We're all connected to Gene Garber in some way. You
0: know what? I thought we had a connection before. You know, having known each other for over a decade, but now it's I'm so long. fully convinced, yes. We have
1: both been to a small town in Pennsylvania. Right.
0: <laughs> We're known people who have mm-hmm. been to a small town <laughs> yeah. in Pennsylvania. Right, yes. We're aware that it exists. That yes. it exists, exactly.
2: Do we want one um, more, or are we good if we want to pick it up again another time?
0: Yeah, so let's that's... pick. What do you got, Justin? Justin? Want... I uh,
1: you're running you at the center screen. Yeah, at least I'd on my computer.
0: I'm on the left on my computer, so it's very <laughs> weird how we're all viewing this show differently from one another. Um, let's wrap it up there, um, so we can have some time for, for for final thoughts here, and we can do some more of those. Uh, we'll do like two next time. We'll save a little bit more time. We got really into the Braves and talking about how they were going to take a step back this year, so I didn't get as much time on this segment. But I like this. This is really great because um, I, you know, Gene Garber. I just remember too from that game, game three, uh, threw a wild pitch over. I mean, made an error on a pickoff throw to first base, like right after uh, Davey Lopes beat out that uh, ground ball that deflected off of Schmidt. Uh, Rose grabbed with a hand and threw it over to first base and Lopes was out at first base, but they called him safe. And then Gene Garber on the very next pitch tries to pick Lopes off. He throws the ball down the right field line. Lopes gets to third base and then scores on a ground ball single up the middle for the go ahead run uh, after that. So um, yeah, Gene Garber though. Had a good career outside of that game, but I digressed. glad we could
1: stir up your most treasured Phillies memories. And by the John. way, I was
0: one when that happened, so I've just you know, it's a YouTube, um, it's it's a YouTube tragedy, really, more than anything else for for me personally. But all right, uh, let's do some final thoughts here, uh, Justin. Final thoughts from you, buddy.
1: Uh, I'll just say, buy your copy of the Baseball Prospectus Annual, available now. A um, lot of good writing in there, a lot of good player comments, and it's essential for viewing the Major League Baseball season, which is right around the corner. So, buy the Baseball Prospectus Annual. Give it a good uh, review on Goodreads, or actually, don't give it like a terrible review with a bunch of snide comments uh, in your in your written section. Those are actually much more entertaining to read
0: com is where you go to purchase that particular tome, everyone. Yeah, I, so make sure gotta you go. Start, there. I got to start. You got really to yeah. yeah. really start doing that, man. You really start doing that.
1: I like, don't have a shed full of them at
0: my house. I was going to say, we got to come Internet. find you. <laughs> all right, Liz, final thoughts.
2: Um, I would ask you all to please head to sports.yahoo.com to read my coverage. Uh, my coverage and my colleague, Jay Busby, are joint coverage of the Super Bowl commercials. Uh, and today, I also put up a best, a five best and five worst. Uh, my favorite commercial of the night was a tie between the Dunkin' Donuts commercial and the YouTube commercial, where a bunch of football players acted like their bird mascots.
0: Those were great. Yes, yeah, the Eagles and the Ravens and the, I, yeah, that was that was funny. They
2: aired that one really early, and I think a bunch of people missed it, which is a shame because it, it until the Dunkings. Uh, commercial came out that one was my favorite it's just like yeah. humans acting like birds never not funny <laughs> they
0: did a good job too the players really got they into really it. It was did funny. it
2: was awesome yeah
0: yeah that was good Um, All right, everybody. Well, look, that's going to do it for this edition of Hittin' Season. And folks, want to make sure that uh, you check us out over at our Hittin' Season landing page for Billy Penn. Of course, our great partners with Billy Penn and WHYY. Go to billypenn.com slash Hittin' Season so you can find all of our blog articles there. And of course, uh, sports.yahoo.com for Liz, baseballperspectus.com for Justin. You can find my stuff over at The Good Fight as well. And of course, our Hittin' Season Patreon, where we've got the Dirty Inning and we've got Absolutely Hammered and other stuff over there. If you want to sign up and be a patreon member it's patreon.com slash hit season all of those different links will be uh in, in on our youtube in the um in the description underneath the, the youtube video we're still figuring this all out but i have I, we're gonna get all the links under there so you guys can find all of this good stuff uh when you go check us out on youtube thanks everybody for tuning in we'll talk to you next time right here on hit and season